There's Mike, a petition. Did you see there's a petition yeah. to get them to stop talking to the media? <laughs> I mean, this is, that's so good. Like, yeah, I think at some point it gets to be too much where you're like, okay, I know you guys want to share. I know you got things to promote, but like. Hi, I'm Aaron and welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast where we explore, well, you guessed it, hip hop. I'll be interviewing the best artists in the game while also taking some time to appreciate some new and classic albums. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for any upcoming news and guests. Also, don't forget to check out my new Patreon under hip hop hustle that will give you exclusive content and help me keep the show running and getting better. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. I'm with uh, one of the most prolific rappers I've ever spoken to, Mega Ran. If you haven't heard of him, I highly recommend. You will literally, you could probably spend the next two years only listen to me- listening to Mega Ran because he's got that many projects. He releases so much music. And the most interesting part and something that I found super interesting is that you release a lot of music for video games and you have... Uh, a deal or you had a deal i'm not sure if that's still going it seems like it's still going with uh i think it's comic-con uh you were working with uh as well and you've done mortal Kombat. uh you've literally done so many uh video games across the board i just think that's really cool that you know it's not a lot of rappers that you see delve into that world because i think you know rappers have a different image of what they want to be but man it's a pleasure to have you on the show Thank you so much, Aaron. I appreciate it, dude. Um, so the company I work with is uh, Capcom and um, they've made games like, you know, Resident Evil, Mega Man, Street Fighter, a bunch of other things. And so working with them has led me to some really cool opportunities to work with other companies, you know, so people will hit me up and be like, hey, soundtrack for Mortal Kombat. Do you want to work on that or something else for this? So they've all just lead, led to really interesting opportunities to springboard around and uh, to recently getting my music in WWE. So, you know, like um, it, it's been a really interesting road, you know, and hip hop is at the root of it. So uh, I do appreciate you having me here. Well, it's my pleasure. And that being said, it's not like you haven't worked with some fantastic artists. Like it's not like you're just in this one lane. You've also worked with some really fantastic artists, Mickey Facts, Rex, uh, Bag of Tricks Cat, who I had on the show. Uh, you also nice. worked with Whitney Payton. So literally mm-hmm. the list goes on and on. So it's not like you're one trick pony. Like you actually have the legitimate skill set of a fantastic rapper which is also really impressive that you just had, like, it's not like you just found your niche and you stuck to that. Like you still developed your craft and the words and the rhyme schemes, they still really flow amazingly well. Thank you. That's super important to me is maintaining, I guess, hip hop cred, so to speak. I mean, I came up at open mics. I came up in Philadelphia, a town where it's not necessarily easy to be a, an up and coming rapper, you know, like you gotta be able to hold your own. Like, I'm probably very biased, but I think Philadelphia is home to some of the greatest MCs of all time, you know, um, between Black Thought of the Roots, uh, Beanie Siegel, Meek Mill, you know, there's just so many great artists that have come out of that town. And uh, so there's a higher standard, you know, so you got to be pretty good. So 
I say all that to say I couldn't get here if I was if I was trash, you know. Um, so, yeah, like I have to be that because I've grew up in that, like open mics, battling ciphers. All those things are things that I really love and enjoy. And I've just been able to sort of I wouldn't even say pivot, but just being able to do what I do and, and also focus on the things that I love, which are comics, video games, anime, all that. And the thing is, like, we're seeing it more and more with today's artists where they're a lot more comfortable with their full selves. But back in the day, and like you said, maybe it is an image thing, but like, you know, kids coming up in the 90s were kind of afraid to wear their, you know, influences on their sleeve. Like we all traded comic books coming up in the middle school, high school. We read comic books. And then for some reason, it just wasn't cool to take that world and put it into, you know, to hip hop. And uh, for me, it started with Wu-Tang. When I heard Wu-Tang protect your neck and inspect the deck's first line, uh, maybe first or second line, is swinging through your town like your neighborhood Spider-Man. And I was like, whoa, it blew my mind. Like, oh, he watched that too. Like, oh, okay. You know, and Wu-Tang especially, like it was Saturday morning Kung Fu flicks for them. And for in that same way that Wu-Tang changed the game using their influences, it's basically what I've done. It's what MF Doom did. It's what, you know, Del the Funky Homo Sapien has done. It's what Czarface does today, you know? So, so you're seeing the lineage of a bunch of guys who are, you know, 80s and 90s babies who aren't afraid to wear their, you know, influences proudly. Well, why do you think that was that like people were like, drifted away from what they did when they were younger, like comic books and like, cause, cause now it's all like what I would say is sexy is like sport athletes. Like they're the cool things to be into. Whereas like, if you're into comic books and video games, like the image of who you are is like you sit in your mom's basement when that's not really true because, you know, I think during lockdown, especially we've seen that like, all those things really come to the forefront. And now you've got mainstream, you know, people on Twitch, you've got people who compete in video games, you've got people who compete and it's actually a sport. So what do you think it was that kind of pushed it away for hip hop originally? Originally, I just think that hip hop originated as um, the cool culture. You know what I mean? It was like, it was counterculture. It was, it was, badass it was you know just being a rebel you know and so it there was nothing badass about sitting at home and playing video games you know it was like nah man put the games down go outside and let's get into some trouble you know like that was cool and um i have to thank artists like kanye you know love him or hate him you know guys like kanye led to artists like lupe fiasco to drake to others who not only were good at rapping and producing, but also like not afraid to, you know, be in touch with their feelings, be in touch with their influences and things like that. So I think on a mainstream level, it started with like guys like Kanye, but there was always that alternative, you know, the backpackers uh, and the battle rap scene. I mean, every other line in a battle rap is usually a reference to a cartoon or a game or a sport or one of those things that they really loved coming up. And they flipped it into metaphors and punchlines. Um, but just in the beginning, it was just so counterculture that it just, I think, at the same. And I've done a lot of reports and research on this, so bear with me. But hip hop and video games have both kind of come up at the same time. 
You know what I mean? They're both things that were born in the 80s, maybe, you know, late 70s and flourished in the 80s, 90s. But initially were looked at as fads, you know, like passing fads that were just going to be a cheap cash in and go away. Uh, And so because I think they both came up at the same time, it was a little harder to look left or right because we're both trying to fight for that relevancy. You know what I mean? Uh, Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. And I mean, one of the cool things about well, both of them essentially is the technology has really helped both industries. The, obviously, with video games, it's obvious, but you can see with hip hop, the sound has really developed quite dramatically. I mean, I marvel at the difference in 20 years between what artists were doing in the 90s versus what they're doing now. And just even the sound quality and even the ability of, a, of any artist to be able to produce music is so much easier than it was. And now video games are so accessible for everyone. Obviously, if you wanted a PS5, it's pretty. it was pretty tough to get one for a while, but... Yeah, that's you know, not super accessible. Yeah. <laughs> but generally, I mean, you can play games on your, I mean, mobile phone games are crazy. They've gone, they've gone through the roof. You've got obviously laptops, computers, literally you can play a game on every device that you have. So it's like both arenas have so, become so accessible as well. Yeah. At the same time, you can make a hip hop beat on every piece of equipment or anything laying around your house at this point. You know, there are people making beats on their phones that rival you know, million dollar studios, you know, um, laptops, uh, iPads, you know, there are programs now that will allow you to do some amazing things. You can record at home and get studio top quality studio, you know, sound for a fraction of the cost, you know? So I think we've seen that, especially in, even within production, you know, like I've heard like beats continue to, uh, evolve, you know, and, and through that, that leads to rappers evolving. I'm like the sound of the rap, the basic style of rap for a 19 year old is not, you know, today what it was for a 19 year old in 1992, you know, like, and it's, it's fascinating. It really is. Like I'm blown away as an older guy, you know, I'm 40 plus. And so when I listen to guys like Lil Baby and, you know, and I'm just like, whoa, like the flow is so different now. And like, I love that. You know, if you're a 90s guy, you know, there's a mid tempo 4-4 flow that you can pretty much apply to any beat. And uh, so when you came to a radio station, they play any beat and you were able to apply your lyrics to that beat. But kids today, like it doesn't even that doesn't apply, you know, like they're they're working on a completely different wavelength and brain frequency, which is creating a whole new sound, which is really exciting. Well, I'm in the middle. I like see both the negative and positives. And I feel like, because I love 90s hip hop, like that's the first thing that I really gravitated towards. Mm -hmm. But then I also don't really understand people who only listen to 90s hip hop because like it definitely serves a purpose and it's amazing. But then listening to new hip hop, if you don't listen to new hip hop, you kind of shoot yourself in the foot because like you're not getting new music. Like why wouldn't you want to try and find good artists that you like it doesn't have to be every artist it just has to be the artist that you like it's the same as the 90s there were plenty of trash artists in the 90s we just forget that we just yeah everybody seems to forget it's it's weird man like you listen to older artists you can kind of tell 
like I'm sure you do a ton of interviews. So I'm sure, Aaron, if you're asking like a, a veteran MC, yo, who are your favorite new guys? They probably all say, oh, you know, Drake, uh, Kendrick Lamar, uh, J. Cole. You know, these guys are really, you know, they're they're great. And it's like, all right, first of all, these guys aren't new. <laughs> they've been they've been doing this for 10 years plus at this point. And they're kind of the obvious default answer to be like, oh, these guys are good. And it's like, come on, in the last 10 years, you can't think that nothing good has come out, you know? So if you are, if you do think that, like your mind is clearly closed, you know, and it, it takes a lot to, I'm glad we've got out of the, the, not, we haven't totally got out of like ageism in hip hop, but at least I don't hear the term like mumble rap a lot anymore, which is good. Cause I thought that was extremely disrespectful. And um, and like really knocking what a lot of these younger kids were doing, you know, and so when people say like, oh, this is the real hip hop and this isn't, you know, and it's like, oh, man, that's a really destructive attitude. And with that, the culture can't really grow, you know, so I'm able to pull some cool things out of what what we hear today and find some inspirations in it. Now, my new album is is a tribute to the past you know, on purpose, because to me, you know, I have very warm memories of the 90s, you know, so that's what I wanted to visit. But on other releases, I'm very like happy to, you know, to channel newer, newer sounds, newer styles, newer, you know, approaches to, to making music. Do you know what I think people missed when they were, you know, in the quote, the mumble rap era so to speak when they were using that phrase a lot was like the voices are still instruments and they still add to this track so Mm -hmm. they may not be saying anything that you would consider is in depth or insanely you know poetic but what they did was they found the right tone for their voice to really add to the track and there are so many of them where like the voice becomes the instrument and it adds. And if it wasn't there, then the track wouldn't be the same. So I feel like the technique of figuring out where does my voice play into this was, mm-hmm. was kind of lost on a lot of people because they were focused on what was actually being said, but the production and figuring out, you know, the beat, where does my voice sit in there? I think that went over for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. I could clearly remember uh, Young Thug and the first time I heard him and we were just like, what is this? You know, like and it was it was polarizing. Some people were like, oh, this is garbage. And then some people thinking like this is extremely interesting, you know, like at the end of the day, this is an interesting thing that's never been done (laughs) with a voice on music. So, you know, so being open minded to that and like you said, using your voice as an instrument is uh is really really like essential for understanding what's going on well one of my friends showed me uh one a young thug track anybody and i've been obsessed with it it's featuring Nicki minaj and it is so catchy i I don't know i don't know what it is about young thug but he just (laughs) knows how to get a catchy track out there it's just i know it's feel good music it's not like it's not going to make you think about anything it's like mm-hmm. really kind of meditative and hypnotic in a way. Travis <laughs> Scott tends to have the same effect on me where it's like kind of hypnotic mm-hmm. all at the same time. I don't know. I think there's, there's a place for everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I had an older friend tell me like, everyone should be able to make music like everyone. And I was like, really? Like when I was younger, I was like, I don't know, man. I think some people that are just bad at it should not do it. And he's like, well, who's to say what's bad? You know, they could speak to a, a person or a, a, generation that 
someone who's more skilled in your opinion could not reach so who's to say this isn't important and uh and i I've, i'm much more of that mindset now where like absolutely everybody should be able to make music there's room for everybody well i think more so that people should everybody should be able to create art whatever that looks like like i think what i think it's weird and you were in you were in education before you became an artist as well but it's strange because like i remember when i was in school like the the sciences the maths the english like the traditional forms of education are really pushed but then art in its form creativity isn't pushed as much and i think that you know now i've found my own version of creativity and you've obviously done the same but it's like interesting to see that people are really striving to find their creative selves now outside mm-hmm. of the traditional kind of areas of learning yeah absolutely it's a really really good time for for learning and expanding your mind well why do you think that is why do you think that that falls away you know that that kind of comes after you know traditional education uh it's interesting because i i kind of dwell on this a little bit on the album i talk about it because it's album's called loud 95 and 95 is the year that i started college and i was just thinking about how like I don't remember a whole lot of what I learned in class in school at all, you know, but before I go out on a limb and say, oh, I didn't learn anything in college. It was a waste of time, a waste of money. I think like, oh, wait, I learned about myself during that time. I learned how to be an individual. I learned the things that I like and love and are willing to fight for and, you know, and, and really make important pieces of my life and what type of people I want around me and things like that. So I think a lot of that stuff comes from after and outside of you know traditional learning because like you said traditional learning has been so based in science math you know uh finite things fact reciting facts and things like that and um and that's really not what life's about you know once you get further out of that 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 sphere of thinking is when you really start to grow and learn you know when it's about people it's about solving problems and you know these are the things that are going to make you a millionaire you know not being able to recite facts you know so it's uh it's a really interesting question and um and something that i've been exploring i don't know if i have the answer but i, I definitely know that it's been something that in my own life i've been able to to kind of pinpoint moments like oh i learned that because of, you know, college time or the time that I spent away from home and just learning about myself, you know, so I I really can't explain why it is, you know, we're just in in an interesting society that put places a focus on some things that, you know, are not necessarily the things that I think make better people, you know, we kind of make better workers and not necessarily better people uh, in our system. And I taught school for for many years for five years and i couldn't do it anymore because i just quite frankly didn't believe in it anymore i just thought that the system needed a lot of work and um, they placed so much emphasis and focus on things that just to me weren't important um you know i would get disciplinary action if i didn't have enough posters on the wall you know they were like yeah you gotta have more motivational posters and i'm like well okay i understand that but what about what I'm actually teaching them? Like the stuff that we're talking about is supposed to be important, right? Well, yeah, they need motivational material on the walls, you know? And I'm like, mm, why are we arguing about this when, you know, half the students in here can't read at grade level, you know? Like, let's let's get to some real issues. 
you know? And uh, so, yeah, I found myself at a point where like, I don't think I'd go back, you know, like, unless there was some serious changes. Uh, I told my wife, like, I'd, I'd go work at Walmart if this all falls apart before I would go back to teaching. And I don't know if you guys have Walmart in Australia, but I'm sure you're familiar with, <laughs> or you have something similar. Very much so. We, we, everyone's <laughs> heard of Walmart. We don't have it here, but we've okay. got Costco here. I'm assuming it's okay. similar. Um, yeah, similar to Costco. I'd work at a Costco for sure because they have free samples that are amazing. Oh, really? I didn't know <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, you get yeah. to taste food. They probably haven't done it since COVID, but, but they would have like chefs making food using the items that Costco sells. And they're like maybe cutting something up and they're making some cheese, uh, whatever, or some pasta. And they're like, hey, come over and try some. And you're like, boop, boop. And, you know, and you go to another spot on the other side, and like we're making pizza. Try some, you know, and you could wind up full. You don't even need dinner by the time you come out of Costco. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, Costco is pretty great for that. I remember the last time I went to Costco, I literally just bought so much shit I didn't need because it was like, look at the value. Look at, oh, right. look at how yeah. much I can get. And I, I remember we bought a tub of hummus, like it was one kilo. <laughs> I remember. And we had it in oh, the fridge. For eight, yeah. And it was just like any excuse to eat it because you're like, we got to get through it. I've got a kilo. Got to yeah, eat it. <laughs> you just do it. <laughs> You just do all those things. Keep, That's funny. But we we go in there and we buy like 20 pack, 20 packs of like paper towel rolls and to- toilet tissue. And we're like, we're gonna use this eventually. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. But perishable stuff, I would I probably would not try to buy a lot of. <laughs> but also like shit that I would never buy at a normal supermarket. Like I remember I bought like a hundred frozen roddy breads. Like I didn't, I don't know why I need that. And I would never buy it at a supermarket, but I was like, yeah, it was huge. It was so big. And I would be like, all right, every day, let's chuck it in. Let's get it toasted. And let's <laughs> got to eat it every day now. <laughs> I feel like that when I buy bread, because I'm not a big bread eater, but when I buy a loaf of bread, I'm like, oh, I better make sandwiches every day then, I'm like, <laughs> or else it's going to go to waste. <laughs> bread is my weakness, honestly. Bread mm. is like, I love carbs, anything carbs. And I will fuck that shit up. Like it yeah. is just amazing. And Same. it's so difficult to not eat it. Cause like I smell a burger and I get fat. That's like the reality <laughs> of my life. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, man. <laughs> well, uh, on the education piece, I was just going to say like, it's weird because it's like I've spoken and you know, to a few people, a few hip hop artists, and they all kind of have a take on this is like, the weird thing is that, like you said, we don't teach people life skills. Like we don't Mm -hmm. teach them how to get, get through life in the world that we live in. They teach them, like you said, they create workers, but it's like, no one knows, comes out of school, being able to do taxes. No one comes out of school, you know, understanding, you know, how to communicate effectively with people, no one comes out of school, you know, just even there's nothing about like, all right, it's really important to have balance in your life and you need to be able to explore this or that. And like, we encourage you to, to do different things. It's all like, all right, four plus four is eight, which is important. But like, I don't remember a time in my life since, and I went to university and I did not do any graphs about maths ever since I stopped learning. It's just, I don't understand why we had to do it. And then they, you lose Mark for the X and Y axis. And I'm like, 
Yeah, completely meaningless. Like, and not necessarily. I guess the it's the discipline it took for you to, you know, figure those out and to stick with it. That that is the skill that you can't gonna come out with. But yeah, I talk about that on the new album too. Like, there's a song Craig Hodges where I talk about. They told me that college would be the best look. Couldn't change a tire and couldn't balance a checkbook. You know what I mean? Like these, I don't have any life skills, but yet you know, you walk to a college. The moment you step on a college campus, these predatory, uh, you know, credit card salesmen pushers are instantly just throwing you. Hey, you want a free T-shirt? Oh, here, come on, sign up for this credit card. You'll be paying off for the next seven years, and uh, and it's just like instantly throws you in debt. And you know, like I said, I. I got a refund check. I try, I put it in the bank and again, couldn't balance a checkbook. I couldn't figure it out. I was just like, Oh, you just write checks and it's free money. And you know, and so many things that just set you up like instantly my first year of college instantly I have bad credit and I'm in debt. You know what I'm saying? So it's like such a, a terrible predatory cycle that they put, you know, a lot of young kids through, you know, that you really don't have a chance, you know, it's your first bit of individuality and alone time. And then people just start throwing you things that you can't handle. You know, it's, it's almost like in music, you know, to bring it back to hip hop, you know, a lot of young kids get early success in, in music, you know, and they're not teaching them that, hey, this money's a loan. And hey, this is an interest rate. And this is, you got to pay for studio time and all the, the time where you were hanging out with the homies and all these flights, all you're being billed for all this. And they don't tell you any of that. And then next thing you know, they're disgruntled, they're upset. They're not making any money from their label or whatever. And, uh, and then they're forced to kind of do the independent thing. And uh, so I'm very happy. Like I've signed one deal in my day and it was a good deal. But honestly, I like working by myself. I like being my own boss, have my own company, answering to myself and being able to help out friends when I need to, you know? So I release music with my friends, from my friends, if they have something good that they pitch to me. I just have a couple of like very small caveats. I'm always like, give me something creative. I always say like, give me some Renaissance stuff, you know? And they're like, what does that even mean? I'm like, I don't know. I just know it when I hear it, you know, give me something, something Renaissance, you know? And, uh, and that's what I want. I just want something that's going to, going to touch like a spark, some ideas for the future. And like, if it's a rap album, I always say, can you keep it clean? You know? And then there's always like a challenge for a lot of rappers to, to keep their music clean. But, but I just want to provide that to the marketplace to be like, Hey, look, here's a place you can go. If you want clean rap albums that are going to be creative and fun, you know, so random beats is the, uh, the label that I, that I run those things under. And, um, so yeah, like, it's just, that's, I don't think I could do if I was signed to another label, you know, like I'd have to follow their rules and their schedules and all those things. So I really enjoy being independent for that reason. And I've seen so many friends, they can't tour when they want to, they, you know, they owe record labels money, so they can't put out an album, you know, because they're going to go broke. Um, you know, so because they signed something when they were young. So uh, it's very similar to the whole college experience for a lot of Well, before anyone checks my background, actually, my first job at a university, I was selling credit cards. Nah. Like, I, I used to be a credit card salesperson. You I used were to one sell- of those guys. I, yeah, I was. Okay, uh, what, were you, what were you giving away? Like a free Frisbee or a T-shirt? Uh, or none of that. A mug? Like- nothing? I actually think because I was doing it over the phones. I was a phone seller. Ah, uh, okay, right? so- okay. I wasn't giving anything away. I still think I can sell a credit card to anybody. I'm not going to do it. But uh, like I have credit cards of my own 
Um, but like you have to know how to use them. And working at the bank, that taught me how to use it. So you can kind of, but I'm just going to give some, this is my opinion. Listen to it if you want. But if you're not getting points, don't get a credit card. It's worthless. That's that's my personal opinion. Um, but anyway, if you can't manage your money, don't get it. It's horrible and you will end up in bad debt. It's for people who can manage their money and kind of have, you know, a routine. They know how to save. You don't spend too much. But before this turns into a banking podcast, uh, (laughs) which it definitely could, because my friends used to call me half man, half bank, because I used to talk about it a lot. Just it just became just, I don't know, it was the new thing that I was learning. So I talked about it. Okay. That's fine. So that's information people could people could uh that's information people could benefit from. Definitely. But uh, yeah, that's, I think that's a different podcast that I'll start. It's like the bank. <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah, think anyone will listen, but, but why, so why did you go clean? Like what's the motivator behind clean music? Cause I did notice uh, as well that, you know, you don't use the traditional hip hop language. Like you, you very much control, you know, with, you don't have swearing in there. So why did you decide mm-hmm. to, to remove all of that? Cause I'm sure like, you know, swear words have this like weird way of helping you rhyme. They're just kind of very mm-hmm. punchy. There's a lot of emotion in there, but why? Oh, yeah. You-, you know, I'm not against profanity per se. I just felt like it was that I wanted to be able to challenge myself to be able to finish songs and albums without without any profanity, you know, because when I when I did, I felt like it was kind of a crutch, you know, like there are times that it's needed, like um. One of my instructors, uh, Michael Corr, used to always say, like, NWA, if they when they wanted to talk about police brutality in Los Angeles, they couldn't say, darn the police, you know, like that would have never worked. No one would have felt anything, you know, it wouldn't have caused any sort of change or made any move- movement. So, you know, it takes powerful language for powerful situations. However, that's a powerful situation. Not like me saying I have more money than anybody else or I'm cooler than anybody else. That's not a situation that calls for strong language, in my opinion. So uh, so if it called for it, like if there was a moment and I wouldn't self-censor myself, honestly, like if there's a moment that calls for it in my music where I just absolutely have to drop an F-bomb, like I'll do it. But I haven't yet in 10 years. And so I don't really need to, you know, not to say that it doesn't come out of my everyday life, but in my music, I have much more control than if I'm having a conversation with you, you know? So and I just wanted my mom to be able to listen to my music, you know, at a surface level, like my mom to let her friends hear it and be like, oh, listen to this, listen to what he's doing. And I just wanted to prove it could be done. It was a matter of me proving it to myself. So for my first album, it was like, can I make a full clean album? Yes. Can it be successful? Ooh, we don't know. And then it kind of is, you know, it gets a couple thousand downloads. I mean, which was decent. And um, and now 10 years later, like I'm I have a 95 percent clean catalog, you know, outside of my friends who I'll have featured on records and. I've still been able to be successful. My last album was on billboard. Like we've been able to do this and, it, and it's possible, you know, and uh, Will Smith is another big inspiration to me. I just read his book and he was saying like, he kept it clean for his grandma. Like he just didn't want his grandma to hear him talking like that. So, and it was kind of like that with my mom. And, uh, and so that's really it. Like at, at the end of the day, it was a challenge for me and I didn't expect the challenge the last 10 years. But but it has. And so I'm like, well, why stop now? You know, 
That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I always worry about the podcast. I don't know what I say half the time. So there's bound to be things that, you know, my, my friends and family will cringe at, but it's cool that you you've kept with like the, the motivation, like you've, because it would be so tempting to just be like, you know what, for this album, let's just let it go. And let's just say yeah. all the things that I could have been saying, but I like, it's, it is cool and it is good for hip hop to have artists that don't use profanities because then, you know, parents can show their kids what hip hop mm-hmm. is because I feel like when people talk about being exposed to hip hop young and I was exposed to hip hop young just by accident, like I was listening mm-hmm. to 50 Cent, but like it's not the language you really want your young kids to be listening to. So you not necessarily, that. but I mean, that, that comes with good parenting though. I mean, parents can be like, Hey, look, that's what this guy does because he's a grown up, And because he, you know, he has a job and this is what it calls for sometimes, but you don't do that, you know? And if, if you can reach your kids in that way, maybe you can convince them to not do that, you know? So I don't think it's bad. I just think it's like painting with a paintbrush and being like, all right, well, he uses a lot of red in his paint, you know, and red might cause a certain reaction. So, you know, that's the color he likes. And me, I use a lot of blues over here. And so that's all. It's just like an accent or seasoning on things. And uh, so, yeah, like, and then when you, when you mentioned like clean versions of songs, like having clean songs for kids to listen to is a great bonus. Um, and not just an edited version, you know, where it's like, oh, I put my in her and she you know, and it's like, all right, come on. Like, <laughs> you know what's happening right there. Like, that's not a clean song at all, just because you didn't say the words, you know. And uh, so those are things that, like, I think about a lot. Like, I, I it, it's a challenge for me to like I DJ a lot of parties and things. And it's a challenge for me to find clean music. And so I just want to be able to to help that situation and be like, oh, yeah, I got some stuff that will work on it. Also, half the clean versions, they've inserted a word that makes no sense. Like, it's just like the tempo, tempo, and then a random word is to cut off the the swear word, and then it goes back in. And if you know the real version, you're like, I can spot this a mile away. You know what I mean? Like, you just, yep. you're just like, I can. It's so bad. Like it's just. Oh yeah, I can't buy an edited version of an album. Like, like I said, I don't use any profanity, but I don't want to hear anyone being censored, especially like in a silly way. You know, where it's like sound effects or or like a word that makes no sense. You know, it's like when you watch a TV version of a movie, you know, and it's on TV, and they're just like, ah, this mother loving loser, and you're like, uh, no one talks like that. (laughs) Well, they just cut the whole scene. They just cut the whole scene. Yeah, they just cut a scene. (laughs) Is it just me, or did I miss something? Did I like? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So funny. It's so funny. I like the worst ones for me. Like, yeah, the scratches. Like they put a scratch in. Where it's like, but then mm-hmm. they also make an edited version of a track that shouldn't be edited because it has so many swear words. It's like I'm missing ninety percent of what's being said here because you have to mm-hmm. edit it all out. Yeah, I couldn't believe they did a video for uh, WAP, the uh, you know Cardi B Megan song, and um, I mean that's a nasty song. And then like when you edit it the acronym doesn't even work the same. It's not WAP anymore. 
<laughs> they're like wet and gushy and it's like wait a minute now it's wag, wag. like yeah. wait, you just changed the name of the song just so that you <laughs> didn't want to say these words it makes no sense so yeah it's silly uh but like again it's just it's just kind of the era that we're in that you'll you'll get it but i don't know do you have wags like we have in australia we have like uh they're called wives and girlfriends so whenever like you the sporting the stars they're known as they're like wives and girlfriends they're the wags so if they're like bring them along the the wags are watching the game it's such a weird acronym like we have it i wasn't sure if you have it that is weird we don't have that i mean it makes sense though wives and girlfriends but no i we don't use that at all but I, i've hmm. been trying to figure out if we have if there's an opposite for like you know husbands and boyfriends like yeah like have like yeah you gotta you gotta be gender fair on this so there should be you know a husbands and boyfriends yeah. section or something abs, abs. <laughs> I, it's so weird that we have to shorten it that we can't even say you know husbands and boyfriends it's like too difficult for us we have to be like everything has to be an acronym we everything's got to be shortened you know everything <laughs> <laughs> well something i did want to ask you about was your kind of pace for releasing music because as i said you're one of the most prolific artists i've spoke to in terms of number one work ethic but also the amount of music you drop how does that come about how do you keep yourself from just like dropping project after project well i've i've honestly it's like whenever inspiration comes i work on things and I try not to release them until like at that time makes sense, you know, like, but I'm big on dates, anniversaries, you know, it's like, okay, well, if today is the one year anniversary of the first time I put out a song, then I may put something out on that day, you know, or I'm talking about a video game and it's the game's release date. Um, I'll do something like that. But, um, you know, I, I think about like MF Doom, who was one of my favorites and Doom did so many collaborations. He did so many releases, you know, there, there's like rare releases. There's like the big releases. And then there's like the rare little Lucy's that pop out, you know? So I try to do like that. I don't want to wait or waste too much time. I always feel like I'm making up for lost time as an artist. I'm an older artist. I'm not platinum, you know? So, and again, I don't, there's no rules to what I do. So it's like, I can put out a song today about basketball and then two days later, put out a song about Mega Man. And those can reach two different audiences completely. You know, there's no overlap, you know, because uh, the, the nerd fans might not like the basketball song or vice versa, you know? So it, I think because I'm using so many different like inspiration points, uh, I'm not as worried about like, oh, crossing people up or creating too much music, you know? Um, but yeah, I try to be better about it. This album, I sold myself, Live 95 comes, came out in October and I'm going to try my best to not put anything else out until October, at least of 2022. So we'll see. It's been almost two months now and I'm holding on. I'm just doing some remixes. Uh, we did a remix to one song, Comeback Player of the Year. Um, and so we're going to do some remixes and just new content around it to keep me from like, I don't want to say getting bored, but to keep me from like just uh, wanting to try new things, you know? And so that's what that is. And now I, I do a Patreon. So every two, uh, two songs a month I put on Patreon or whatever I'm into at the moment. So those songs don't get released to the 
to the mainstream until maybe later, you know, maybe even a year later, you know. Well, so that's kind of how I do it. As you were saying about not releasing music, it's like I could see the itch. Like that, the, even as you were talking about it, you were like, like there's still some, there's still you that be like, you know, it's that, it's like that inner critic who's like always released music. Like I'm always paranoid about getting guests, yeah. even though like I, I, just, I don't really struggle that much anymore to get guests. But it's like that, that starting podcaster that's always like, you got to keep getting more guests because what if you run out of guests? It's like this. I could just see that. In, in your body language that when you were talking about it, you were like, that's fair. Like a, it's like an addiction. You're just addicted. Oh to yeah. Like I think every artist and, and, you know, probably podcast host too. You could, you could tell me Aaron, but um, you got to believe that your best work is ahead of you, you know, and that you're getting better every day. And so you want to show that, you know? So I think that's what it comes down to. And it's like, man, I, I, I know you like this, but I got this other thing that's really going to move you, you know? And uh, so, yeah, it's just I have so many ideas and I think a lot of that comes from me being so connected to video games, comic books, other pieces of media, like my well of inspiration is like limitless now. So it's a pretty dope feeling to be able to be like, hey, I can watch a show tomorrow and then be like, oh, man, I really found something new in there or a comic book. And then, oh, man, I found something I can write about from that, you know. Well, I think the the cool thing about you is exactly what you said. I mean, I've said on this podcast that I think there are some artists who release too much music and mm-hmm. doesn't let artists like you know, the fans digest it. But because mm-hmm. your music is directed to a specific audience at any given time, it kind of helps you because I feel like a lot of artists, they just release the same album four different times in the same mm, and it's like mm, yes and that's my critique my treat critique is like i heard this already and if it's not mm-hmm. bangers then i'm probably not going to listen to them all and then i just start to get well, i'm just start becoming one of those fans who's like it becomes effort now for me to try and find the killers and then so if you have this four albums and they're all the same mm. condense it to one and make it just a killer album rather yep. than just everything. But if you're doing different things, then I understand you throwing out more projects because you're hitting different markets. Right. Yeah. It makes sense for me because my audiences are very different, you know, but I've always been into like making sure that every album sounds different. So I'm going through a different experience before I write it. I'm working with a different producer. Um, but, you know, there are some folks who can put out a lot of music feed a very specific need to an, from an audience and then uh and make a good living off of it you know so it's uh it's a fine fine line you know it really is a fine line but i think whatever you put out you got to put your all into it and if you feel like you put your all into it then put it out yeah and at the end of the day it, I, nothing that i want more than artists to be able to make a living off their art form and if that's how you do it that's how you do it like I'm not going to be the one who's like always listen to me. It is purely like just my opinion on, you know, as a fan and I come through and my opinion is always as a fan rather than as an artist, because I don't release music myself. So it's interesting to hear the the opposite perspective. Cause I'm just going like, Oh, what do I want to listen to and how much attention can I give as one fan? But then again, there's like billions of people in the world. So you don't need every fan. You just need, you know, a small portion of how many people there are. Yeah, all you need. I read, I read a book about it. They say all you need is a thousand true fans. 
you know, and, and a true fan is a person that will buy everything you put out, you know, and think about that. If you had a thousand true, even podcast listeners who will listen to everything and share everything, I think it puts you in a good position, you know? So yeah, that's really all you need. That's a very small percentage of the rest of the world. I agree. I mean, to be honest, if I had a thousand fans reaching out every day going, Hey, what you released was amazing. That'd be awesome. I, it's like, a that's everyone says it's about your true fans, not the casual listeners. That's what you want to get. The casual listens are good, but like, if you can get true fans, that's where you actually make your living. Absolutely. That's what you need. The true fan. And remember a fan, I guess is short for fanatic, but in a nice way, but a person who will literally purchase or listen to every single thing you put out, even if it's a thing that's like, oh, that wasn't really my cup of tea, but I love you so much that I want to hear that. You know, and that's all you need is those people that are like, oh, when's the next episode? When's the next one? When's the next one? You know, and those people will keep you in business for a very long time. Well, have you had fans of yours reach out and and give you like feedback about the things that you're doing? Because I feel like, you know, because you hit quite a particular niche in the industry, you would have a lot of people who are exposed to, you know, your music that probably wouldn't necessarily be exposed to it ordinarily. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So to answer that, yeah, um, there's, I get tons of fans that reach out and it's usually like very supportive messages. Like, Oh my gosh, I listened to this and it got me through a rough time and you know, things like that. I keep a whole folder on my, on my like desktop of like really nice messages I get for like motivation, you know, and I flip through them. And it's people, you know, saying things like, oh, man, like this game meant a lot to me. Uh, This line you said meant a lot to me. It kept me going, you know, things like that. So uh, I don't necessarily create for that. I create for myself um, and to talk about the things that I've gone through and how I've gotten through them. And it's just always awesome and a blessing when people can tell me like they had the same struggle, because for long for the longest time, I thought I was the only one. Like I was the only hip hop kid who also liked G.I. Joe, Transformers, video games, Kung Fu flicks, you know? No, I was not. You know what I mean? There's so many other people who were into these same things, but never had their worlds come together, you know, like I was able to bring them, you know? So, so they've been very thankful. So yeah, I get, I get lots of messages. I feel like I'm a very accessible artist. So for that reason, because I feel like I was built on the internet and I've like never forget, forgotten that, you know, like, because I was built on the internet, I make sure to respond to every tweet, make sure to talk to every person, I respond when I can to every message and talk to folks at the merch table at shows and give, you know, make sure that they're having, you know, the best time possible. I think that, you know, a lot of artists struggle with that because, but it's awesome to hear that. It, and to be honest, my experience with you is also like, you do a pretty good job of like responding because. Uh, you know, it gets overwhelming at some stage to be like, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of messages. And then obviously you've still got your schedule to get as well. You're still organizing tours. You're still organizing recording, release, you know, marketing the whole lot. So I think you do a pretty good job when it comes to that front. Thank you. I have a manager now last couple of years, but that has helped me out a lot with that. But, and sometimes he'll tell me too, like, Hey, I think you're a little too accessible. Like this month, you maybe need to like, just back up and not 
yeah, no answer thing. Just it's, sometimes it's about reclaiming your space. And uh, the Will Smith book talks about that too. Like just taking, making a real concerted effort to reclaim your space and your time. So if there's a time where you just don't want to share or don't want to chat, you know, you just have to take that, you know, and, uh, and not feel guilty about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Will Smith has been sharing a lot lately. He does a lot of interviews Yeah, and, and sometimes I'm like, you know, I think you can calm down a little bit. There's like, a but, petition. Did you see there's a petition yeah. to get them to stop talking to the media? <laughs> I mean, this is that's so good. Like, yeah, I think at some point it gets to be too much where you're like, okay, I know you guys want to share. I know you got things to promote, but like you're you're like America's favorite couple. Like, please stop telling us things that make us like look at you differently. Like, you know, we have to like at some point, enough's enough. Like <laughs> just, they're so just, honest. I don't understand. They're just so honest. Like they yeah. and they and they literally seek out to to say the things that they say. Like if that shit was going on in my life, I'd be like, I'm not telling anybody until it's sorted. Huh. Yeah, I wouldn't tell anybody. But they are oversharers, I think, at this point. <laughs> I think they're, it's, they're almost addicted to it. I think you get addicted to, like, you know, the bombshell moment and then everyone's talking about you. In a weird way, The it it feeds the ego as well. I don't know. It, it's a weird space that they're in. I mean, I just want to see Will Smith get back to what he does best. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I don't need the behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, I don't need it. That's what I buy the book for, you know? Yeah, well, I love artist books. They really are amazing. I've spoken already about on this podcast about books, but 50 Cent's book, Hustle Harder, Hustle Smarter, Prodigy's book was amazing mm-hmm. to listen to. So and I good. love when they the artist reads the book. Nothing drives me, because I listen to the audio book, and mm-hmm. nothing drives me more crazy when it's like, here's my book, but somebody else's voice. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want that at all. So I'm, that's funny. I'm actually finishing up my audio book right now. I released a book in January uh, called dream master. It's a memoir about my journey. And uh, I am finishing the final chapter tomorrow um, doing like the two bonus chapters. And this is the second one. And uh, I'm going to get my wife to do like the intro of the book and the closing. And, um, and then it will be done. So I think right before Christmas, I will have the audiobook available. So if you got Audible or whatever you like to use for books, be on the lookout for Dream Master by me, Megaran. How was it recording it, by the way? Because I've always wanted to ask, how is it reading it? Sucks. Yeah. It, it sucks. Like you're just reading and reading and reading and reading. And then you mess up and you're like, oh, the words just start running together and you got to take breaks and, you know, it's probably 20 hours of, of work of trying to read these, you know, words. Um, it's not easy at all. I can see why people hire other people. Now I understand because it's no fun reading your own words. You want to change things. You want to add things, but then like, you're not sure if you should. Um, and then it's just, yeah, like the, like it's the words on the page start getting jumbled. You start messing up and you're getting fatigued. And uh, yeah, it's the definitely the most fatiguing recording i've ever done because also like i don't know about you but i like to be able to just go on a run and just say whatever i want to say and let let kind of my mind take over and go through in a thought passage but being so structured would be really difficult because it's like not only have you already written it you've already read it a thousand times because it's now a book but now you gotta vocalize it and it's i'm sure it feels a little bit like self-aggrandizing like you're just like I don't know. It even 
me objectively thinking about it, like it just feels like a strange process to have to go to. Yeah. Yeah. It's very strange. It really is. Like that's an experience that like this writing, it's hard enough, but then like to have to recite it and relive it, it can be a lot. Like it's really a lot. Like, I don't know how people do this for a living. Like it was just me writing down stories for a long time and putting, and then realizing I had enough for a book, but yeah, it's, it's just a lot. It really is, but very fulfilling. And I'm looking forward to people reading it and listening to it and letting me know what they think and being able to share a little bit with people about what it's really like, you know? Well, I feel like you've got a good voice for it. If I'm thank you. Cause I I, I I appreciate that. I I think I would be a good, I think I've got a good voice for it as well. So if anyone wants to hit me Mm -hmm. up and wants me to read their audio book, I'll be the person Get on there and read it, do a script. There's a, you know, you can go, they asked me when I wrote the book, the uh, the publisher was like, Oh yeah. So, you know, just go listen to these scripts on the site and then see who you want to hire. And I was like, hire like, yeah, to read your book. And I'm like, read my book. No, I'm reading it. There's no way I want someone else reading these personal moments, you know, like, like it was them, but it's not, you know, like, come on. I listened to OJ Simpson's book and he had, they had like an actor reading it and he was like trying to sound like OJ and it's like annoying, you know, I'm like, hire somebody. Don't you know who I am? You know? And they're like, clearly they don't. So it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. It's just, yeah, I, I remember trying to listen to Tyson Fury, the boxer's book, and mm-hmm. he starts, he does like the prologue, and then he's like, oh, by the way, my best friend's now going to read the rest of the book. And I was like, wow. Oh. He's like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> he's like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah, I started. i got to go train. I can't be in the studio reading. Wow. Yeah, he's like, this will be too long. I, I understand. Like, if I could do that, no, I wouldn't do it, even if I could. Like, I wouldn't, because I know as a fan, uh, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to support that. I wouldn't want to purchase it. I wouldn't want to listen to it. So that's a big part of my career is just kind of stepping into a fan and what they would be, be interested in. You know, I think a lot of artists need to kind of step back a bit and think like, what would a consumer want right now? You know, and maybe you should kind of tailor this to like what you would enjoy if you were a fan. Yeah. I think it's about being genuine and everyone, like if you buy the book, like it's, if it's your book, people want to hear your voice. Because yeah. that's who they came for. They didn't come for somebody else's rendition of your book. They came for you. So I like autobiographies, all that kind of stuff, I think should be done by the person. But like, we get it. Labor intensive. Don't have the time. It makes Yeah, sense. it's hard work, man. People have, people have things to do. Like, I get it. It's super hard work. Like, I would not recommend it to anyone if you're not used to doing that much reading because it's very draining. Well, I wanted to ask you this. If you had to, if you could choose any game or any kind of pop culture uh, moment or anything in pop culture to make the music for, would, do you have anything that's like on the on the bucket list? Oh, that's a good question. Okay, so I think Marvel, something Marvel related would be the dream for me. You know, like I've done games, um, WWE like things that have already been on my bucket list, but like being a part of the Marvel universe, like if they're like, Oh, Avengers needs a song. I'll be like, Oh, psh, of course. You know, like I would love to do that for sure. I want to be a, a m- member of a big moment, like in a movie where it's like, Oh, this thing happened at this time when your music played and you're like, what? Yes. You know? And uh, that would, that would be a dream come true for me. So yeah, it's probably Marvel or just a movie in general. 
that that'd be awesome. Do you have like a favorite Marvel movie? Uh, Black Panther, definitely. Um, but you know, the Avengers movies are also great. Um, Captain America: Winter Soldier was awesome. Um, so yeah, Thor. Uh, yeah, it's been some really good movies. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they wiped DC out of the world with them. <laughs> I like. I don't we know what just, happened. Man, me and my buddy were just talking about that. Actually, Bag of Tricks Cat. We were just like, why don't? Why doesn't DC just focus on these gritty? movies like joker you know and make make real movies not not trying to follow the whole superhero formula just make real movies that happen to be about supervillains. like you could make a lex luthor you know origin movie that could be really gritty and great you know so i don't want them to chase marvel you know like just make your own movies and do your own thing but whenever they try to chase it never turns out as good now it, it feel the, do you know what it is? The scripts are weird and the storylines really are a lot of exposition. And for people who don't know exposition, it's like when characters mm. explain the plot to you, it's yeah, like, oh, that. and you're this person and did nothing annoys me more when they treat audiences like idiots, where they're like, oh, I did all these things and you saw them, but let me explain them to you because I don't think you understood. And I hate that because it's like pointless. Yeah, that's the worst. You know, don't insult your audience's intelligence. And there's definitely a lot of that in the DC movies. But I would I say it to say I would still do a song for DC as well. So hit me up. So <laughs> critiques, but we're not above working. Maybe here's what it is. You're the missing link. This is what we're um, saying. We're saying that there's something missing and Mega Ran is the one hmm. to bring it all together. There we go. I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my salesperson coming out again figuring out the 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 soft pitch but yeah i mean i i'm just i'm just looking forward to the new batman i've heard great things about the new batman um i think i think you know they really should stick to the gritty stuff they did they've done fantastic work when they've gone real i 100% agree that when they're real when they're when the characters have depth and when they have flaws and for some reason they don't seem to give their superheroes flaws they give the super villains flaws and then the villains become more interesting. Yeah. I want heroes with flaws. That's what made Iron Man so interesting is he has flaws and he's not the perfect person that he wants to be. Exactly. Exactly. He doesn't have to be perfect. Like I love that about the Iron Man. It's like really the only one that they've done that with where he was an absolute like human, you know? And I think they should continue that, like go into you know, situations and people who aren't perfect. Uh, maybe just fall back on the special effects a little bit and just try to create a, a real feeling story. Well, I did like Winter Soldier uh, and Civil War when, you know, Captain America and Iron Man fight because that is, you know, the two opposing opinions and you see the flaws in both of them that one is too focused on what is right and the other one is like, I just like that interaction of like, again, it's like, they just they just went in an interesting direction. That's what DC hasn't done. They haven't gone into directions that are interesting and, and not usual. No, they really haven't. Uh, I'm hoping at some point they can because they have a lot of great stories and great characters that I think could be like really fleshed out and do a good job. I think they're trying to build a cinematic universe so that they can eventually become a viable threat to Marvel so that they can say, hey, now 
we can come together, Marvel versus DC, our universe. You know, it's like, I think they're just trying to impress Big Brother Marvel, you know, with these movies. Like, huh, huh, huh? Are we there? Are we there yet? And you're like, no, you're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, there's still a little while away. But you know what? It is what it is. I can't complain. I mean, we've gotten some amazing movies out of it. Um, you know, I'm just, I, they, they do Batman really well. That's what I'm going to say. They, they, I don't know. Yeah. They just seem to do, they nail Batman every time. Anyone to do with Batman, they just nail it out of the park. They do. They give it a lot of effort and they need to, like he's their guy, you know? And it feels like, you know, every boy is like, I'd like to be Batman, even though he has no superpowers. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, man, uh, I only have one more question for you. And it's the only question that I plan on the podcast. Uh, and it might be the hardest one. I don't know. Some people find it hard. Some people find it easy. But if you had to recommend one album that everybody listens to at least once to get an appreciation of, can't be your own, can be any genre, what would it be? Oh, man. Dang. Wow, this is so hard. <laughs> oh man, I might need a a break for this to come back. No, no, no. Um, well, talk me through. Talk honestly, me through. okay, think? this is easy. I think it's easy for me, honestly, because I play it every single road trip. Um, it's uh for me, Public Enemy, and they takes a nation of millions to hold us back. Uh, I think it's one of the greatest rap albums of all time, and. The fact that it's a record that's, that was created with so many different samples and sounds like, so the production is super interesting. It's probably the greatest MC voice of all time, Chuck D, uh, you know, with Flavor Flav hyping, you know, there's so many interesting elements to these songs and they're all like very important songs with great subject matter. So you're going to get something out of every single listen of that. You may even pick something new up each time you listen. So that is if you're sort of a hip hop fan or like just a new school hip hop fan, but hasn't heard a lot of old school or you didn't think old school could compete, you know, sonically with what's happening today. Um, this album is certainly an exception. Um, you know, they they did so much sampling on that record that couldn't even be done today. Like, I don't even think that album could come out today, you know, just because of all the samples and sounds, you know, and it's extremely interesting just to think that they did this in 80, 88, 80, 88. Yeah. And um, which was arguably the golden era of hip hop, you know, and to create a record that could stand not only ab above and with what's happening, but will stand the test of time that 30 years later, you can still go back to. So that is my pick for sure. I think that's a uh, must hear album for anybody. Uh, I love that enemy. pick. I, I love that pick. No one else has picked Public Enemy. You're the first. So nice. uh, I think you know, 80 plus episodes in will this public enemy makes an appearance and iconic hip hop group as well. They did a lot for, you know, what was to come in terms of sounds and sampling, like you said, so definitely worth checking out. And yeah, I mean, I'm always a fan of like, you know, even people who are into, you know, modern hip hop to go back and check out the nineties hip hop. Cause you'll learn something about what created the era that we're currently in. Like, that's what I'm a big fan of is like, you got to understand the roots so that you can understand the the journey and then you can understand where we are right now because hip hop back then was a completely different ball game. 
Yes, it was. And this is an album that I think, like I said, it holds up. It's, it stands the test of time, but it also shows you like what life was like then, what we were talking about. These songs, you know, were getting like major airplay on the radio. You know, daytime radio was playing a lot of these songs that are like pretty hardcore, you know, hard rap songs in 88. And uh, it was just such a game changing project that, you know, is dang near flawless, man. Well, you know, I think at some point in our lives, radio will disappear in kind of the lexicon of where people get music. It's just getting less and less and less. I mean, you know, I don't, I personally don't listen to radio. Hmm. So like I can imagine when I have kids at some point, they won't listen to radio and it'll be like, Hey, and I'll be telling them that when I was a kid, that the way you got music and the way you're exposed to it was like, you turn on the radio in your car and you're like, what do you mean? Spotify. Like, uh, right. Like what's Spotify? that? <laughs> Spotify what do you mean radio but yeah even now like with we have streaming TV like YouTube TV and uh, so I very seldom watch live TV and uh, and once in a while I guess it was for sports is about the only reason I would need live TV and so when I do watch it now it's strange because normally it's a, a you know an on demand situation when I turn the television on I want to watch what I want to watch what and I turned it on free. for ad free and ad free yeah, there's very few times where I'm just flipping channels, waiting for something to pop up interesting. Like that just doesn't happen anymore. Well, so even that now I, with sport, yeah. KO is taking over. You've got mm. you know streaming services. You can buy NBA Live League Pass. I don't know how yep. I ended up shouting out NBA Live League Pass. I just heard all the ads on KO talking about it. Or when they when they you know the broadcasters always talk about it. But like you know the the era of you know waiting for something to pop up on TV really has gone like i remember uh me and my family when i was a kid we would like sit down and watch something together whereas now it's like hey when do you want to watch it like you didn't have to book in the time now it's just like it's sunday night what do you want to watch yeah that's real yeah it was like okay thursday eight o'clock we gather around the tv you know that's what it was and uh but now like we have we can organize and we can schedule that which is it's it's just a weird thing but another sign of the times you know blockbuster like having to go to the video store (laughs) and pick out a video but then it's exactly the same like think of not being able to choose something to watch on netflix but live Mm -hmm. and you're actually in person it's way worse yeah like you actually drove somewhere and now you had to get back home and you got nothing there to watch like (laughs) that's really depressing and then somebody else is like no i don't want to watch that and you're like and then you (laughs) find something and it's not available because somebody's already borrowed it Mm, so you can't get it oh i hated that (laughs) (laughs) oh the days stagnant days well man it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show uh mega ran came through obviously if you haven't checked him out please make sure you check him out uh check him out spotify ig twitter he's got it all obviously you're streaming as well do you want to shout out uh what you're streaming and and yeah, I saw Absolutely. the light bulb. Absolutely. I got to talk about streaming. I've been um, been going pretty hard on Twitch. So twitch.tv slash Megaran. Um, I've been playing a lot of Halo. The, uh, the campaign comes out, I think, in another day or two. I'm not sure when this is going to air, but, um, but Halo Infinite. That point. So okay. it, it's already out. So if you want to make sure you check out Megaran on his Twitch, he's going to be playing. Yeah, I'll be playing it. Uh, so I do a different thing each day. Monday, I do Monday Night Rand, which is DJing. I'll play like wrestling music, video game music, and hip hop. Tuesday, I'll play maybe 2K. So I'll play a basketball game. 
Wednesday, I'm in the studio. So I bring the, bring the cameras with me and set up and you watch me record, uh, make songs for Patreon. Thursday's throwback Thursday and then free play Friday, which is when I'll be playing Halo. So come through, uh, drop some love in the chat. Uh, tell us she came from the pod and, uh, and we appreciate you. And, uh, it, what time do you usually have your, your stream? Is it a set time or does it fluctuate? Yeah. Between 3 PM and 6 PM, uh, Pacific time. Awesome. So for anyone in Australia, you're going to have to figure out what that is, uh, because it's very difficult, but, uh, no, it's not that bad. Literally there's so many websites. That's what I do. I just click in mm-hmm. and go, they convert it for you. It makes, yeah. it makes sense, but yeah, definitely check him out. Uh, also, you know, huge catalog. So make sure you check out all the music, subscribe and don't miss out. And as I said, worked with some fantastic artists, uh, got on the billboard, uh, top 200 as well, which is an amazing feat. And uh, yeah, absolute pleasure having you on the show. Dude, Aaron, thank you so much, man. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.